So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1418, financial advice for creative entrepreneurs with expert Sarah Becker. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I think it's really good to know that like, here's my lean enough number, here's what I actually need, and then here's how much I want. And then aim for that want, obviously. But you know, March 2020, it's really good to know how much you actually needed, not how much you wanted. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Do you run a successful creative business or want to and just aren't sure how to best manage your own finances? You're hitting your earnings goals, but you don't have a whole lot in savings and you're wondering why. Today, our guest is Sarah Becker. She's the creator of Becker Talks Money. She's got some really helpful strategies. You just heard a snippet of the advice that she is about to share. After 10 years as a serial entrepreneur, Sarah Becker kept hearing the same story from her colleagues over and over. While outwardly successful in their businesses, they were failing in their personal money goals. That's what inspired her to start Becker Talks Money and become a financial educator for small business owners. She believes money doesn't have to be scary, that curiosity is more important than correctness, and everyone can become an expert of their own money. We talk about how much to charge, how to know what your enough number is and why frugality is making a comeback. Here's Sarah Becker. Sarah Becker, welcome to So Money. Oh, thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. We met on social media. Oh, yes. Um, Shout out to Instagram. Amazing. You responded to my very um, sort of last minute request on there to say, hey, anybody out there, can you help me? I have a hole in my show. And you know, I got so many fantastic replies. I am good till probably 2023 at this point. And your reply really made me excited because what you teach is something that I think is um, important for our audience. I know many people in, in the in the So Money community either are creative entrepreneurs or or want to start a business. And we've touched on this many times in the show, but it begs repeating the importance of how to strike that balance between running a successful business and running a sex- successful personal financial life. Yeah. This is where you really arrive and show up for your clients. So maybe Sarah, spend a little bit of time telling us a little bit about your work and what you really love helping people with. I've been in the creative entrepreneur space uh, my entire career. I always said, you know, once this stops working, I'll get a real job. That's never happened. I'm now 31, started doing my own stuff in 2008, put myself through college photographing weddings, actually. And then when I was 24, I had been saving, saving, saving all my pennies and ended up purchasing with another partner, a real estate space, a 6,000 square foot abandoned house in my hometown of New Orleans that had been blighted since Katrina. So doing that, I learned a lot about how real estate works, how real estate businesses and companies operate, and then started another business in my late 20s. And through all of this, I am surrounding myself with other entrepreneurs. My colleagues are all self-employed. And so pretty early on in my 20s, people would ask, well, how did you how did you afford that? Like, how did you afford to put your money 
in a real estate space? Or how did you, you know, do that? So I started very casually, I mean, we're talking like over a beer about like how I was kind of managing my money, how I was directing it. And then when COVID hit, and all of my small business colleagues were trying to figure out, okay, do I go on unemployment? Do I apply for PPP? Um, how can I shift my business, especially in the event and hospitality space, which is what New Orleans is? How do I shift it in order to make some income during this time that we did not know how long it would last? So that's when I really started digging deep into financial education for small business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, people kept saying over and over again, like, you should probably charge for this. I was like, maybe when we're not all in lockdown, right? I was just on Zoom all the time helping people out. And so in January of this year, I officially started Becker Talks Money. Um, I have a course that helps walk people through basically the tenants of the financial side of your business. I also do one-on-one consulting. I'm working on some like lower ticket things that are more accessible for everyone. But it's a true joy because these people have always been my friends. I've always been in this space. Um, and now I get to really dig deep and help people with stuff that I was always curious about. Anyway, I was always the girl being like, how much did you pay for this house? <laughs> <laughs> we would be friends in real life. Yes. <laughs> I always say if you can comfortably explain something over a beer or over a coffee to friends, and that seems to be the thing that you do quite a bit, yes. there might be business in that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's worked out for me. So I think you're right. What are the things that you seem to be repeating to first-time entrepreneurs or creative entrepreneurs in particular when it comes to setting up a sustainable financial system for themselves? So the first thing is how much money is enough for you? I think in the space, we see a lot of like, I'm a six-figure earner. I have a seven-figure business. And I really hate that rhetoric because they're not telling you how much their expenses are, number one. And number two, I think it's a bit misleading to think that we all need to hit six or seven figures. Plenty of us need to make 60K a year and we're good. Some of us need to make 150K a year. So I like to reverse engineer a budget to make sure that the money you're making in your business is actually fueling your life. Because if it's not, then what's the point, right? So that is the first thing I typically start people out with. Something I've been talking a lot about as inflation is rising, are we in a recession? Are we not? Are things like being very, very lean? So really taking a look at both your personal budget and your business budget seeing what you can cut out. I have a lot of people come to me in fear and say, you know, every month I spend six grand, seven grand, and I just can't keep affording to do that in this economy, quote unquote, air quotes. And my biggest response to that is just because you're spending seven grand doesn't mean you need seven grand a month, right? So like really getting lean on those things is huge and also being flexible. I mean, I saw this so much during the pandemic. I saw, you know, event caterers start doing home delivery for food when there were no events and no one wanted to cook. You know, I saw wedding photographers start shooting elopements in parks instead of weddings in 300 guest count ballrooms, that kind of thing. So the great thing about entrepreneurship and the worst thing about it, in my opinion, is that everything is temporary and everything's always changing. So being flexible, being able to pivot, understanding that sometimes the only way out of something is through it is also huge. I want to go back to what you said first, which yeah. is that figuring out what is enough for you. There's a whole episode right there on, yeah. on so much. Yeah. It's, it's like a whole documentary. What's the calculus for that? How I, I love to look at past data, right? Our past always informs our future. So I love to take the last six months to a year if you have it. I mean, this is like my Super Bowl. This is my fantasy football, if you will. Take it, 
look through it and really see, I like to, I like to separate things into needs and wants, right? You need to pay your mortgage. You need to have car insurance. You want to do, you know, all these other things. Again, I think we're all past the point of being like, don't buy that latte. Like don't buy that. ever. I mean, we're not doing that. That is not, not where I'm going with this, but I think it's really good to know that like, here's my lean enough number. Here's what I actually need. And then here's how much I want. And then aim for that want, obviously. But you know, March 2020, it's really good to know how much you actually needed, not how much you wanted. Um, and so, I mean, so much goes into the calculations because everyone's financial life is so different. Um, a couple things that I have kind of been able to creatively suggest that I think are interesting as far as getting that number down or changing how you view that number is you know, for instance, I live in a duplex. I live in a double shotgun. It's what we call them in New Orleans. And so the rent for my tenants pays the majority of my mortgage. So that gives me a lot of flexibility. It allowed me to buy a second home. Number one, it gave me flexibility to work with them during the pandemic when we were all out of work. Like there, I think that there are some things that people think they have to do and is really enough for them because they see everyone buying a single family home. Um, they see everyone with two cars. A lot of people, especially now that we're working remote, we don't need two cars for two people. You can share one. Like creative things like that can really make your number even leaner if you're worried about the future of your finances in the short term or long term. Sarah, this is such good advice, but I forgot to ask you, tell me who your business clients are. Like when we talk about creative entrepreneurs, yeah. can you put a Put some titles to that Absolutely. so that we can, if you're listening, you're like, this is me. You know, I'm yes. not, you're not, we're not just talking painters and artists and sculptors. We're talking about. Yes. So I work with female solopreneurs that typically make anywhere from 40 grand to 200 grand. I do work with people who are makers and artists. I also work with a lot of online business owners. I work with a lot of realtors. Like, believe it or not, there's not a lot of financial education for realtors, and they're dealing with fluctuating income, just like entrepreneurs are. So I work with basically, I say, if you're a woman who has fluctuating income, you know, who is trying to make this work, that's who my target client is. Brilliant. You mentioned the importance of, and you you hear this from your clients, like this recession, or I don't know, these current, the current times, the situation. How do you recommend creative entrepreneurs Uh, prepare for what looks to be more volatility in the market, more uncertainty, consumer spending is down in many categories, cost of running a business in some regards is up. So how do we uh, just control for this? Is Can we control for this? Yes. Two very good questions. I do not think we can control for it in the sense that we are in an economic system and climate that an individual on our level cannot influence, right? However, we are in control of how we handle that when it hits us. And I think it's already hitting, right? Like whether or not we are in a um, textbook recession, I, I notice my food prices going up, like my home insurance is doubling. I mean, there's plenty of things that are happening that we all have to account for. So besides being lean and being flexible, which I know I already touched on, think, one thing I really, really like to think about in an exercise I do with my clients is how can you take your skill set and do it in a different way, like productize it in a way that is maybe a lower ticket offer, um, something that is more accessible, something that can be more helpful for people. 
And then, especially for product and service-based industries, and this kind of goes back to like the enough idea, I see a lot of people spending money they don't need to spend. I see a lot of people um, paying rent on an office that no one ever visits. You know, I think that things like that, that you have said, I will have my own office and it's a milestone. Digging deeper into why is that a milestone for you? Why do you feel like you need this to be a real entrepreneur um, is really helpful because we need to start thinking more creatively. We need to be start starting to think a little more untraditionally. And I think that the pandemic was just like, I mean, it, it threw us all into the deep end of that, right? So something I also like to remind people is we went through that. That's the deep end of the pool. Now we're in the shallow end of the pool. Like, yeah, is it uncomfortable? Still a little bit, but we've are, we've done the hardest part. Now we're going to kind of ease out of it. Yeah. It's hard to imagine things getting even harder than they were uh, in March and April and May of 2020. And and still for many people, it's it's a really tough time reeling from the pandemic. The other concern or I should say conundrum that a lot of entrepreneurs face in the beginning, but also ongoing is like, how much do I charge? Now as a real estate agent or realtor, that's sort of set for you. If you're building something of your own. How do you price it? And do you talk about this with your clients as part of their overall fortification of their finances? It has to be, right? What you earn is so important. Absolutely. So yes, I love to start with how much money you need, which as a business owner, you really need to know to know if your business is successful or not. But then absolutely. So let's say, you know, you are a wedding photographer who's like, I need to make $50,000 a year. You know, I'm like, okay, well then if your package is $5,000, you need to book 10 of those, right? I really recommend all all entrepreneurs have three different tiers of pricing, right? So you're going to have a low tier, a mid tier, and a high tier. And then once you figure out how much money you need to make, you can play with those numbers. So if you are not booking enough of the high tier offers, let's go down, let's look at the mid tier, the low tier, how we can push those. I really think that right now people are scared to spend money. And that's okay, right? Like I'm I'm recommending like, hey, let's not buy anything we don't need. So making sure to be constantly evaluating your product that it has value for the people that are purchasing it. I think that's a really important part of being a business owner. You have found that less than 2% of the creative entrepreneurs in your network are happy with their money. What's going on? I think that knowledge is power and we do not have enough knowledge around money. I think a lot of creative creative entrepreneurs lack confidence. Therefore, they don't want to check their bank accounts. They don't want to know. I think that people are so quick to say, oh, well, you know, I'm an artist or I'm I'm a people person. I'm not a numbers person, right? And so I think really breaking down that idea that it's one or the other like I always tell people, money is literally just a tool that you learn how to use. Like you've learned to use your iPhone or your camera or, you know, whatever, and you can make it work for you. I, I work with so many people who are like, I haven't checked my bank account in a year. Wow. I mean, that's what? extremely common because they literally just, they literally just do not want to know. And I think that when you are an entrepreneur and you're, you are holding so many different um, roles and you have to put on so many different hats you're going to take off the one that gives you the most anxiety. And there's a lot of anxiety around money. Wow. That is nuts. So not having it's checked your bank account in a year. <gasps> I'm going to put that on my website. Farnoosh says this is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with all the empathy and like, oh, I know, where, I know, absolutely. I know how that can happen, but absolutely. Um, 
I mean, you're talking to the woman who checks her bank account like every day and not because I'm obsessed, but because I just need to know. I know. And I will say that once that skill is learned, so once I can either physically hold someone's hand, which I have done before, or virtually metaphorically hold it, and we go through all the bank statements and we make a little system, we get them in QuickBooks or we get them in Wave, we run a few reports and I turn them into pie graphs because we love pie graphs. Then people are like, oh, I get it. I get it. And this is actually exciting. And then once you can start down that path, it's so much easier. I mean, I had an email yesterday from a client who was like, I just wanted you to know that I do finance Friday. I check my bank account every Friday after literally going months and months without checking it. Like that is huge. Because again, knowledge is power. And a lot of that anxiety Mm -hmm. can be so easily mitigated just by knowing your numbers. Yes. Well, speaking of knowing your numbers, you share your numbers on your website with people. I don't know how up to date this is, but I want to share this because I would love to ask you some questions about it. Absolutely. So you kind of touched on these uh, a little bit in the beginning, but you have three businesses that you've started in your 20s. Your current retirement savings is 135K. It's a tiny bit less due to the market, but yes, it's still holding strong. It's like 130. (laughs) Well, you know, you haven't actually, those losses haven't been actualized because you haven't sold that's, any stock. That's so correct. Thank you for that reminder. So, it's just, you know, it's just, a, it's a moving target. <laughs> yes. You own five or co-own five properties. Yes. You save 50% of your income a year. I want to know yes. all about how you do that. And I also want to know how you arrived at your enough number, which is $70,000 I guess that's a year. You yes. would like to at least make that a year. But even making that, you want to save half of it. So you're living only off of 35000 Okay, where do you live? Yes, let's just... <laughs> what are you eating? What are you oh not gosh, eating? What do you drive? Yes. What do you do with your free time? How are you spending your money so that you can yes. do this? I think this is so exemplary. Okay, so first of all, I want to say that I really love my life. I would never take someone whose values are different than mine and say that they're living incorrectly and they need to live like me because I'm really happy. I'm really content. And also, again, it's temporary. My work optional age is coming up, you know, and I'm 31 by 45. I'll be able to do kind of what I want to do, which is amazing. Um, So a big part, first of all, I drive a 2010 Honda CRV that I paid eight grand for three years ago. Um, Love that little car. I live in, you know, a beautiful house in New Orleans, which, you know, cost of living is very mid-range. It's getting higher every year. But again, because I'm willing to live in a smaller space, my apartment's 700 square feet. I have another apartment that gets rented, which again, contributes so much. I would not be able to live off of $35,000, $40,000 a year if I wasn't you have making income rental, right? Without that income rental, absolutely not. So that's a huge part of it. Um, and then a lot of my hobbies are free. You know, I read... I see my friends. I have people over for dinner. My restaurant bill is very low. Like a lot of those like kind of little things definitely add up. And I will also say that my, you know, my need is probably about 35 to 40 grand a year. But again, I'm really trying to save very aggressively for retirement right now. So I'm saving at least $28,000, a year um, into the stock market for my retirement. I love it. And it reminds me of a headline I saw recently, something about how millennials are really aspiring for this. I forget the name of it. It was like a chill, like we want to be chill. We want to, we want to be, yes, we want a, a soft life. Yes. A soft life. Yes. The soft life. Yes. 
do you prescribe to this and tell us what, what you think it means? Well, so I just saw that headline. Look, you know what? I will say that I don't think I live my life very softly. So I'm not sure. I need to do some more <laughs> research about that. And I think it's because I'm really like a 120 percenter. Like I go all in on this. And so, you know, I, I do, I want security. I think that that is my driving factor. I am not the kind of person who's like, I want to go sit out on a boat for three months. Um, but I do want to own two homes and live in two places. And I do do that. So again, maybe everyone's definition of a soft life is different for them. It's fascinating. The photo on, the, I think it was CNBC.com. Was it or the bike? The, they're on the bike. Yeah, the couple yes. with the bike, with the baskets. And the that is not my love language. I grew up in an immigrant family. Hard work was what you strived for. Yes. And I don't want to make it sound like you have to work hard in order to be successful, but it doesn't Kinda hurt. Do. I mean, and yeah. um, do I want the easy route or the, or the hard route? I mean, of course I want things to be easy, but here's what I said. Here's what I always said. I said, I work hard so that my life can be easy. Yes. I subscribe to that, but we're still in the working hard phase, right? Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? It like you're 31. I'm 42. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I would like to quote unquote retire early, but what is that even? I mean, why though? I really love what I do. I'm going to die at this mic and <laughs> yes. I don't hopefully, see. Yeah, hopefully not anytime soon, but yes. I feel like I, you know what? I retired in the last recession when I got laid off yeah. and I couldn't get a job and I had to figure this out on my own. And I was like, I'm going to, my definition of retirement I guess in that moment was I'm retiring from the corporate doldrums of, you know, working for someone who doesn't know my value, you know, going and collecting that paycheck, which is great and helpful, but is it my passion? I don't know. This way I have more control over my time, how much I make. It's not easier, but it's, it's more aligned with my values and, and what I where how I source more fulfillment. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, that's huge. All right. Are you familiar with the FIRE movement? Financially Independent Retired Early? Am I? <laughs> I am, of course. Okay. I, I have a financial podcast. I've had many FIRE okay, yes. movement graduates on the show. And yes. I think that what's what's interesting about this Financial Independence Retire Early, this has really gone on its own journey. Yes. Where when I first started covering it, it was a lot of the, it was male dominated, yes. predominantly white men who worked in engineering or tech, yes. who made a ton of money, right? They didn't have student loan debt. Right. They made a ton of money. Their companies paid for a lot of their expenses, including their housing, mm-hmm. consulting, right? So they would go from city to city and live in hotels. And so, yeah, they were able to save 75% of their income yeah. and retire at 40. But even when they retired at 40, they weren't not making any more money. They'd started a blog talking about this and that blog was making money. Yes. And so that was gen one of fire. And now it's like, way more diverse, way more different definitions of fire. Yes. Slow fire, fat fire, (laughs) you know, all of that. Do you prescribe to this? And and what's your flavor of fire? So my husband was part of like that first iteration minus the blog. Um, I do not have an internet husband and I thank my lucky stars every day, but he was an engineer, you know, worked in a corporate job. And when he was laid off during the recession and he, you know, just was like, all right, I think I'm done. I've saved enough. I bought a couple rental properties. But he's never stopped working. I mean, this man's working 10 hours a day on all of the houses, you know, and we talk all the time about what is it going to look like. So I think for me, the fire movement can seem so extreme. 
and or so privileged. And so while I definitely think there are some ideas that are so great about it, like don't ever buy a new car, I wouldn't say that I prescribe necessarily to a fire mindset because it's so unattainable for most people. And I really want advice that I give to be super practical. Yeah, I can feel it. In the beginning, it did feel very like this is the way, this is the one way you do it. Yes. You got to save 70% of your income. You got to live an extremely frugal life. Yes. Frugality is, is, is something that I feel like is it's, we're softening up on that a little bit. Well, yeah, because it became shamey, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, being, you know, responsible for your money, you're not, you're, it's not supposed to be shaming. And I think also we, as a collective generation as a whole, have started talking more about the systems in place that mm-hmm. keep us in certain, you know, financial yeah. places that it's really, really important to be talking about those things. You cannot money mindset your way out of student loans or poverty or what have you. No. I remember back in 2008, I came out with my first book, You're So Money. A newspaper asked me to log my spending for a week, kind of as an interesting experiment. Yeah. Something that we do now all the time. Money I see diaries, TikTok, yep. Here's what I bought. Yeah, money yeah. diaries. And then it's like, here's what I bought at Trader Joe's. Here's yes. what I spent in a month. And um, there's no shame. But then back then, I like wrote how I spent money on clothing hangers. Okay, I spent like $22 on clothing hair or $11 or whatever it was at the container store. Man, did I get my serving of troll central. Yeah, it was like, you're an idiot. You're wasting your money. Yep. And it was, you know, I was young and I was like, so I was so upset by it. I was like, what have I done? I put myself out there and I thought I was going to be, you know, hey, look at me transparent. I wasn't buying it on a buy now, pay later plan. Okay. (laughs) I used it with my cash in my wallet. That Yeah, that's so interesting because I think now it would be like, Farnoosh, you deserve those hangers. You deserve a little treat. Get the velvet ones. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, Invest I, in the velvet ones. Yes. All this to say we've come a very long way. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, and maybe to, to wrap up, I'd love to learn a little bit about where you started, where you are now versus where you started, and maybe some mindset shifts that have actually traveled with you come become part of your new way of thinking. I love that. Oh, I love that question so much. So my biggest money mindset issue is a scarcity mindset. And I really struggled to get to the root of it because I grew up in a very financially settled home and um, had scholarships and parental help through college, which I think is important to note. So I had no student loans when I graduated, which is huge. I was already like top 1% with that leg up, you know? Um, But then, you know, in my early 20s, I was starting my business. I paid cash for my then husband's graduate school, and then I got a divorce, right? So all kind of at once, I'm, I'm making big money moves going forward. And then I'm also, you know, taking a pretty big like net worth hit, you know, getting a divorce. And I think that's something that I have learned is not only just to stay flexible, but also to stay open at all those all the opportunities that can come no matter where you are. I think that my scarcity mindset can sometimes be like, okay, I feel safe here. So I want to stay here. But gosh, like the adrenaline of like a risk and when that risk really pays off is so huge. I'm like always still chasing it. So I think just to stay open is um, the biggest thing that I've learned in money and in life. (laughs) Money isn't life. Is that what you said? I said money and in life for both both money money and and life life. to stay open. And yeah, I mean, to to that point, like money is literally just a tool that we trade for other things to make our life better. Like having a bunch of it in the account doesn't make our life better just because it's there. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for spending time with us. 
Sarah Becker. Check her out at Becker Talks Money. Where are you hanging out the most on social these days? I'm on Instagram and I know that makes me uncool. It's time for me to, it's time for me to move on to other things. Um, but you know, I'm tired, Furnish, I'm tired. So you can find me on Instagram and on the internet, BeckerTalksMoney.com. And also, you know what I love? I love an email. Send me a letter, yeah, guys. Send an email. I love it. What's yeah. your email address? It's hello at BeckerTalksMoney.com. Keeping hello. it simple. Yes. <laughs> but it's me. It's just me. It's me, myself. And yeah, me. people me are like, you run your own social media, Farnoosh? I'm like, yeah, I don't have time to be managing other people <laughs> to do that for me. <laughs> I know. And back, and back to your work. Yeah, and back to the authenticity thing. I mean, people want to see you. Like, they want to see you walk in the streets chatting, you know? I'm still learning. I'm still learning all the things. Thank you for keeping it real, for all your wonderful advice. And um, I hope that we'll meet in, in real life one day, Sarah. Me too. Thank you so much, Farnoosh. I so appreciate you. Thanks so much to Sarah for joining us. Check out her Instagram at Becker Talks Money, her website, Becker Talks Money. See you back here on Friday for Ask Farnoosh. Be sure to send me your questions. If you've got one and you want to get it in, sneak it in before Friday. You can DM me on Instagram. You can leave me an email, Farnoosh at SoMoneyPodcast.com. And if you like this show and you've been listening to it and are enjoying it, please, I encourage you to subscribe if you aren't already and leave a review. Every Friday, I pick a name from the iTunes review section to get a free 15-minute money session with me. I'll see you back here on Friday. Until then, I hope your day is so money. Money.